Hi, everyone. This is Evan at Stride here with the first live recording of the Stride Power Podcast. I am joined by uh, head coach, founder, owner of Endurance Nation, Patrick McCran. Patrick, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to get this uh, Stride Podcast uh, off the ground and and running, uh, if you can forgive the running uh, puns and everything. (laughs) But um, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of what you guys do at Endurance Nation. I listened to a couple, you know, episodes, read a bunch of articles and stuff from you guys in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I was super excited to set up this call. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, this is the first live kind of recording, talking about power as a concept, but then also, you know, using stride power meter in practical training and coaching. Um, can you first, before we get into all that uh, stuff that people love to hear about, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Endurance Nation? Uh, totally. Sure. So um, I've been in the sport now since 2001 was my first um, Ironman triathlon. Um, so I guess back when triathlon came, became cool again after it wasn't cool, but before it was cool in the 80s, right? Um, and so um, got into it, uh, started training. Wasn't a lot of resources, believe it or not, back in the uh, early years. There was only one or two websites. So did a, a lot of research and trying to figure things out. And as I went along the way, um, other people asked me to help them out and eventually just sort of parlayed into coaching because they wanted to give me money. Um, fast forward to 2007, uh, launched Endurance Nation um, with my business partner at the time, Rich Strauss. Um, and we uh, were basically um, had both had successful one-on-one coaching businesses and had decided that um, one-on-one coaching just wasn't our gig. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, uh, it had built sort of a level of dependency um, on the coach and the athlete. Athletes weren't really thinking for themselves. Um, and so we decided to go from a one-to-one model to a one-to-many. So we basically fired all of our clients and went out and said, look, we're going to um, start becoming less, um, you know, managers of your time and more, more coaches, more educators. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, over the past 10 years, and we were fortunate, we, we started when all the adults got iPhones and um, Facebook became cool for old people. Um, <laughs> and so we've got a lot of good SEO and content out there. Um, and we have a fantastic team now. So fast forward to today, we have uh, about 700 members um, in our community, which spans the globe. Um, and they are all, uh, we call them self-coach. They are inside Endurance Nation. We provide them with training plans and resources. And we organize them around either uh, races or interest areas like a sport um, or even um, topics such as power and pace. And mm-hmm. so we've been um, uh, using power when it first came out for cycling um, as a tool to help our athletes save time, their age group triathletes. So um, help them save time, um, you know, be, make more efficient workouts and see gains without, you know, what people would consider the traditional, you know, quote unquote hero story of endurance sports, which is the person who, you know, quits their job or, um, you know, leaves their spouse or only trains all night or, you know, only goes to the grocery store when they're hungry, like all the things that are completely unsustainable. Um, you know, trying to make people's endurance goals, whether it's, you know, we always say there's kind of like completing, competing, or winning, (laughs) sort of three levels. So whatever your goal may be in that spectrum, we want to help you be better. Um, And so power became an early part of that process. Um, And uh, when when you guys came out with the Stride Power Meter, uh, we were right on board to try and do the same thing for running. So that's Mm -hmm. where we are today. That's great. Um, So can you tell me just a little bit about your own personal running background. Cause I think it's so fascinating for people to hear how other people get involved in the sport. Cause everybody knows their personal story or, you know, the celebrity athletes and everything, you know, kind of the famous people, but I'm really interested. I know everybody else listening would be interested in uh, individuals 
like yourself, how did you actually get into the endurance side of things? Absolutely. That's a great question. So um, I was a soccer player um, for most of my you know, young life. Um, I did not, um, I wasn't good enough to play in college, um, but I was, um, I had that mindset. I was always training, always working out. Um, and so my sophomore year of college, my freshman year, I'd gotten into weightlifting. My sophomore year, I was like, oh my God, I'm enormous. I need to lose weight. And for some reason, I decided swimming would be great. And at the swimming pool, uh, the aquatics director was there uh, and she said, you should go out for rowing. Um, I, had no, I had no idea what that meant, but I said, okay, sure. So my first practice, uh, this is in Cambridge. So we went over to Harvard and we ran their stadium steps. It was kind of a famous workout. There's 37 sections and you run the, the bleacher stone steps and you run down the actual stairs. Uh, so 37 sections. We did sections um, pretty much. Um, I was a sophomore, but on the freshman team, second freshman team. Pretty much everyone threw up and I was like, this is amazing. I miss team sports. I'm in. Sign me up. Um, and I joined the team. And so running through college was actually the secondary workout. It was, you know, you ran as a post row. So we would run together. We would run laps. Um, and I just really enjoyed that time um, running on my own. And that moved down the line. I was in the Peace Corps in Central Asia. And the only thing I could do was run because I didn't have any equipment. Um, and so um, I did my first marathon in 99. Um, uh, and then from then on out, I was just, I was hooked. Like I loved running. Um, uh, I loved it as a, as an escape mentally. Um, and then I uh, know that when I was in Peace Corps, my brother sent me a letter. He'd finished the first Ironman Lake Placid. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, there's no way he can do that. And I don't do it. So uh, <laughs> I got into it sort of like that, like on a dare. Uh, and then it took off. So I've always been a runner. Um, you know, from a statistic perspective, I've run Boston a couple of times. I've gone like 259, 49.999, like literally chip time, not the, not the clock time. My family was devastated. I didn't make it, but I was like, I'm still good. <laughs> I'm still good. I can make it. Um, uh, so I'm a bigger guy. Um, I race at like 178 pounds. I'm six, one and change, um, which is perfect for triathlon. Not so great for um, just being a general runner. Um, yeah. So that's where I'm at. Very cool. And then I, you, you mentioned, you know, about getting into the endurance stuff. Um, what does your record look right now? So how many uh, kind of like Ironman or like high, high distance events have you uh, completed or maybe any other high profile events you'd like to highlight? Uh, sure, sure. So aside from Boston, um, which I have a love hate relationship with and we're sort of in, we're in the hate phase right now because it's just so hard. Um, uh, I've done 20, um, I've done 28 Ironman races. Um, I've qualified for Kona, um, 10 times. Um, so this year will be my, uh, in October of this year, I'll go back for my 10th time. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I love the sport. I've done, um, some other run stuff and some other cycling stuff, but, um, I, you know, I look forward to the second half of my endurance life, uh, being maybe more of the cool stuff and less about the actual racing. I think I've got, uh, I just had a personal best last year. Um, and we'll talk about it in a minute, um, in Cozumel. Um, I think using my stride power meter in the heat has been critical to my performance, especially as a, as a bigger athlete. Um, and um, so I just set a personal best down there. So I'm, I'm like, ah, you know, there's gotta be, I've got to have one more good race in me. So right. that's, the, that's the goal for this year. There's always one more. You can always do it another time. Always one more. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's a, that's a great segue into um, kind of what we wanted to talk about and focus on. Um, I think you come from a very interesting perspective, you know, working with, you know, you said you know, 700 plus people um, mm -hmm. being involved in the sport for so long. Um, 
specifically the concept of power, um, you know, referencing it on the bikes, you know, years ago, and then mm -hmm. um, in the past couple of years using uh, running power as sort of a training metric. For you personally, let's talk about how you personally use it first, and then we'll talk about how you implement okay. it into coaching and maybe a training plan of somebody, you know, is kind of nervous to start or they have no idea, they don't want to, you know, read through 20 pages of like a PDF, <laughs> kind of right. get all the information. Let's right. talk about um, how you use it yourself and what you look for as an athlete when you're training with power. Okay. Yeah, that's a great start. And I think um, I love where you started us, which is that that 20 page PDF, because <laughs> you could definitely dive down the rabbit hole. There's some great information and there are some incredible people out there um, who have done uh, such detailed work on running with power um, and sorting through it that it, um, uh, it can be as confusing as it is exciting as an opportunity. So um, generally what I did and what I recommend to our athletes inside Endurance Nation is, is to get the stride, to put it on, make sure you're recording, whether it's to your smartphone or to your, your watch, um, and then just run. Like don't, don't look at it, just run. I say the same thing when people get a power meter for their bike. Do not, do not attempt to run with power, look at power, just, just do your normal thing. And all, all you're trying to do is basically set a baseline so you can correlate, yeah, that was my tempo run or this was my easy run. And at the end of the run or later in the week, you can go back to the power center and say, well, what did that number, what, what number did I see after I did that run? So let, the, let your normal training sort of dictate what you see on the dial. Um, as an aggregation perspective. And then once you've had the stride for, I don't know, I tell people four to five weeks, um, <clears throat> you're probably competent enough and sort of being able to make sure it's downloading. It shows up on the screen and your watch. Um, you can go to the power center, you can look at stuff. That's a great time to do your critical power test um, mm -hmm. and just get some defined zones. We have our own zones a little different inside Endurance Nation, um, just from, his, from a historical perspective, but the power center is fantastic as well. So you can do your power test and then start using those numbers in your actual workout. So I like to start from that baseline. So um, for me, um, in terms of how I use it, um, I think I'm, I'm a little bit more old school. I hate to say it, um, <laughs> but I did say 2001. So everybody's like, oh my God, turn off the old man on the podcast. Um, so I think um, for me, running has always been, I think for a lot of people, has always been a, a game of aggregation. So how many miles did I run? How many, how many minutes did I spend running? Um, and when people started talking about heart rate, they could say, oh, well, my average heart rate for this run was X. And so there's some, a, a bunch of different variables. So a successful week was I hit 40 miles or I didn't hit 40 miles was unsuccessful, um, which is a, it's a great sort of aggregate quantifier of what you've done, but it really gives us no insight, um, as to what you've done during those 40 miles, for example. Um, what are those 40 miles were your best 40 miles? Um, how can we improve those 40 miles? Um, and so what's really exciting about power is that, um, we can get very, very specific in sort of two, I look at it in two tracks. One track is in your workout. So you can look at a specific workout and say, what do I want to achieve? And, and the way that we do that inside endurance nation is all of our workouts have a main set. They look a lot like weightlifting, you know, we'll say two by eight or four by 10 or, or whatever it is. Um, and during those specific sets, we have goals for you by running with power. So you have a, you have a zone and you have a power goal that you're trying to hit inside that, inside that workout. And because we have power numbers, now I can actually create the training stress that I want from you. So before I'd say, go run 45 minutes. And some people ran super, super fast. Some people ran with their dog. Some people ran with their kid on a bike next to them. Some people ran, walked. Uh, and as a result, they have 20 athletes go out and 20 athletes come back and totally different workouts across the board, even though I, you know, totally different outcomes, even though the workout was the same. 
So with a Stride power meter, I can say, I want you to do, you know, uh, a 45 minute run. And it's going to have four, eight minute uh, set pieces, reps, whatever, like, like this, I can, you know, I've ensured that 80% of the workout is exactly what I want. Um, uh, and people can do that however they want. They can sprint with their dog, they can chase their kid, but it, it gives some structure to them and they've got actual numbers to correlate with it. Um, and then the other side of stride, which we'll get to later is, is more the, the macro data um, and information we can learn about you as a runner. So I think um, working back from an individual perspective, it was really instructive for me to take my normal repeats um, of a mile where I would look at time and then use power. So when I looked at a repeat like time, say I did two by one mile, I could take off really, really fast and then slowly, slowly die <laughs> over the course of my run, <laughs> a course of that mile. And it would still look good, right? I'd say, oh, it was, you know, a 630 mile. That's fantastic. I feel great. Um, so glad I picked that downhill segment. <laughs> so all my friends will see it. Um, but when I, have, when I have the power meter on, um, I can see right away what my effort is and I'm incentivized to keep that number up. Mm -hmm. um, and doing that, whether you're on different types of terrain or wherever you are, um, is a challenge in and of itself. But um, it makes my interval, it makes my one mile that much more of a quality session. And it was less about, I'll do anything to just have a good time on this watch, fly and die, for example, to I want to have the most consistent set, I can have the most consistent repetition. Um, and so for me, that was the first, the first change was saying, oh, wow, my, the workouts that I already do are now better because how I'm able to visualize them in the workout scenario is so much more specific that I'm creating better outcomes without even changing anything. I'm still doing my same thing. I'm just doing it more intelligently. Mm -hmm. And then is that message sort of similar to, you know, maybe people that are on the fence are skeptical saying, you know, I've trained with a GPS watch for a number of years. Mm -hmm. I, I have a relatively good idea based on how, you know, these GPS satellites are telling me I'm moving. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, you know, kind of tell people, encourage them, maybe nudge them that uh, they should maybe look at, you know, basically that, that, that concept of power versus pace while still maybe keeping in mind that pace and distance is important, but you can have this maybe better metric. Is there anything that you can kind of tell people to maybe reassure them or maybe give them confidence in this different metric than they're used to? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I, I kind of tell people, you know, they're not abandoning their, their pace target. So, and let's take Jane, that Jane's going for a run and someone's told Jane back in the day that, you know, the best way to be a, um, or a good sign or a sign of a good runner is, you know, consistent running. Like you don't, you don't run fast and slow and all this crazy stuff. You just run. So Jane has a special loop. She loves to do goes down by the river. It's a six mile run, takes her 60 minutes. She runs 10 minute miles. Jane's ecstatic. I'm running 10 minute miles. I'm steady. I'm great. Well, when you put a power meter on Jane and we say, go run your six miles at your 10 minute miles, we discover that when Jane is running downhill to the river, she's not running very hard at all. She's kind of floating and coasting. But when she runs back uphill from that river, she's crushing herself. She's got to run super hard to run the same 10 minute mile. So from a pace perspective, you know, Jane's pace line is flat. It looks great, like totally flat. Um, but from a power perspective, Jane is all over the place trying to, um, you know, either comply with or, you know, hold back from um, going too fast or running harder to try and make up her time. And so even though she considers Jane, you know, pre-power, Jane feels like what a steady runner I am. The reality is now that we have power, we know that Jane is actually doing a very different workout. It's probably closer to almost like a fartlek run um, than what we would expect to see from a steady run. So 
when you put a stride power meter on someone and you say, go find your favorite run, whatever it is, everyone has a favorite loop. And, and once they're comfortable with power, I have them run that same loop just by trying to keep their power steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're blown away because there's times when they're running like 10 minute miles and there's times when they're running like, like seven minute pace. And they're like, how's this, my, that run was completely different because of the power number. And I'm like, that's right. We're just, we're going to look at it from a different perspective. And um, the reason why I, I bring up that example of Jane is that races are no different um, or events, whatever it is you're doing. There's, there's critical elements of an event where your ability to be successful, but however you define that completing, competing, winning um, comes into play. Um, so if we were watching the tour de France, you might say, Oh, it's a mountaintop finish. So the last 5k really matter. Right. Um, if you're doing a marathon, you're doing Boston, you know, that, um, kind of the heartbreak Hill, those Hills in Newton, that's a critical section you want to be successful for. Well, with a power meter, you can literally sort of chunk that element out of the race and train specifically for it. You know, we know that running, you know, five miles at a certain, um, wattage will be like the equivalent of running on those hills so we can actually take our athletes and say you're right you're doing this hilly race you're going to run you know an hour fairly steady and then you're going to do some of these repeats at those hill numbers you don't need a hill to do it you don't need to live near a hill that was the old complaint can't complain about that anymore with stride <laughs> so uh you can just do you can do your work with the power meter and get that same equivalent stress you'd have on race day um, and and to me that's the real success factor people will say Old, old school people would say, ah, you know, I didn't have a great race. I must not have trained enough. I've got to go back and, you know, I only ran 30 miles a week for my marathon. I got to run 35 or 40 or, or John, who was successful. He did like 18 mile runs every weekend for six months. I, I have to do that, which is really sort of people guessing. Whereas when you have the data, uh, when you accustomed to aggregating with a stride, you can go in and see in the race where things did start to drop. You can see the correlation between power dropping or pace dropping or speed or cadence, um, your leg spring stiffness, all of those elements can drop. And we can say, all right, how do we, how do we address that issue? Um, and when we do that specifically, you're, you're making athletes more successful, but through a very focused approach um, versus sort of a generic, just go run, you know, run more, run faster uh, and so on. Sure, yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so when you are talking to, you know, maybe clients or anybody, any general runner, maybe you meet them at a local group run or something mm-hmm. and, it, you know, they raise these same questions that, you know, I kind of just asked to get you to talk through it. Mm-hmm. When it comes time to, you know, maybe they're interested enough, you give them a training plan. Um, mm-hmm. How do you use stride in a coaching uh, you know, coaching integration, how you mentioned these mm-hmm. different biomechanic measures, you mentioned mm-hmm. um, these different kind of targets that you might have. Uh, you mentioned a critical power test where, you know, if somebody mm-hmm. works at stride, we definitely know about this. If somebody has done one before they know about it, but for, you know, somebody hearing about it for the first time, what's your mm-hmm. kind of explanation and how you kind of integrate stride into a normal training plan to get that actual data that they can make, uh, you know, useful uh, meaning out of? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a lot like how I give my kids fruit and vegetables. I cut it up into lots of tiny pieces and I leave it all over the place. So they start doing it without realizing it. <laughs> so uh, if someone's getting into power, I don't launch into the 20 page PDF because most people, um, at the end of the day, I've learned over time, I need to meet athletes where they are, right? I have to give them what they want. I just have to be sneaky about it and do the way that I know works best. So mm-hmm. Um, they want to be faster. They want to be stronger. And I believe we all can, 
Um, it's a function of understanding yourself better, which is something that Stride lets you do. So um, I start off simply by having people, like I said, just running with it, not even worrying about anything else. So when we have some of their data, I can make it more relevant to them. I can say, all right, let's look at your numbers as opposed to this chart in a PDF, which is not there. So I think having some ownership of that um, by the athlete, you know, putting them in the power center and saying, let's look at some of these numbers and, and find out who you are. You know, it's kind of like taping, taking your running temperature, right? Now we know um, where you're at, what you know, your baseline, what is, where's our opportunity for you? Um, uh, I don't, I like to do it that way because some of the running fixes are simple. Some people have super low cadence, for example, um, or some people always start too fast. And so mm -hmm. making someone better isn't necessarily giving them a PhD in, in running. Um, it could be something very simple. Just a stride may actually show it to them for the first mm -hmm. time, right? They didn't, they didn't believe it or they didn't know it. Um, so um, I kind of sneak it in like that and then we work into the testing. So if you're an athlete inside Endurance Nation and you're running with a, um, with a stride power meter, you know, our digital training plan platform partners, which are Final Surge, um, they have those zones integrated for us. So if you do your test and you update your zones, they port over to your plan. So instead of two by one mile at seven minute pace, if you've enabled power, it says two by one mile at 247 to 257 watts, mm -hmm. for example. So your workout is, is very specific right there um, it, um, as you go. And you can even now through Final Surge, put that stuff over to your Garmin um, so you can just, just do the workout on your Garmin. So, it, you know, people can get as geeky as they want, but, but really I would say from a macro perspective, the majority of athletes who are moving through that progression are aggregating data. They're doing um, a couple key workouts. So it's typically one midweek interval workout, and then they've got their long run, which for endurance athletes becomes important. Um, and then people don't get generally too serious about it until we move over into what we call our race preparation phase, which is the last 12 weeks to your your race so early season before those 12 weeks general prep or out season training which is winter training a lot of people are doing now we're just trying to make you stronger so there's a lot of work we're doing um in terms of uh, intervals there's interval um, work with run frequency um, there's work with um, plyometrics we've added plyometrics um as a as a means of Im improving that leg spring stiffness that score we see um without actually running right so we see some benefit from that as well um and then once we get in season, it's less about building new power. It's, it's becoming a, a better um, uh, user of your power um, as well. We want to do a better job. But we don't, you know, if we're going to cut down a whole forest, if an endurance event is taking your chainsaw and cutting down a whole forest in the wintertime, you're just like attacking a tree. You're like, Meh, like, how fast can I go through this tree? When you've got like a forest full of trees for your race, you got to take your time. You got to pick the tree you want to cut down first, right? Which way is it going to go? You need a plan and, and we use our stride to help us sort through all the decision points that make a race successful. Just like picking those trees, you need to pick how you're going to start, um, what your effort's going to look like, how you're going to handle if something goes you know, the wrong way. I mentioned earlier, for me, racing in the heat um, has different considerations than not racing in the heat. And so how am I going to manage that? And so the season itself, I guess, in my answer, sorry, super long-winded, the <laughs> season itself is... Um, uh, enables people to take advantage of the stride by getting as specific as they want to be, right? Some people, if they're just trying to complete it, I'm like, great, you're in data collection phase. We'll get to that space where we want to be more technical when you're ready. And we have like a, you know, a course inside the team that can go through and learn how to do everything with the stride. Um, uh, for the people who are more serious about their trading or more serious about their race outcomes, those are the people who are sort of raising their hand and saying, 
you know, what do I do here, you know, with this particular long run or my race rehearsal or what do I do on race day? And those things are, um, you know, become, um, I think that in and of itself makes it useful. And then we, as a team, what's great with Endurance Nation is the people who have used it and have used it successfully. Um, you know, we get to bring their stories back in and they kind of share it with other people um, in terms of how they've done it, you know, and, and, um, and what it looks like. And that just sort of feeds the fire of people saying, oh, wow, that's, you know, and people are setting marathon PRs at like, you know, 51, 52 years old, mm-hmm. you know, from like 10 years ago, you know, and they're like, I can't believe I actually did it. Um, but they're, they're with a stride power meter, they're running a completely different style of running. You know, they're so much more energy efficient as a runner because they can see it. Whereas before they had no idea what they were doing, you know, in terms of, you know, they just were looking at pace and it was a very different equation. Exactly. You follow the, uh, you know, the pacer on the course that's trying to run 3.30, but they're running, you know, this constant pace up and down the hills and everything. And it's... Oh, um, yeah. Those pacers. I want to put a stride on that person. Like I remember (laughs) my first marathon, I was like, I'll follow the pacer. And after about 10 miles, I realized that the pacer had someone else getting him fluids from the aid stations, you know, cause I was like every aid station, he was another 200 feet up the road. I'm like, this guy keeps surging. And I realized, no, he didn't have to stop. I was like, that's not fair. You know, like I definitely got annoyed. You're right. So now without, with a stride power meter, you, that pacer is on your wrist the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you become friends with that pacer. You can trust the pacer. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do anything dumb on race day. Like you just, you can follow it. Right. Um, so I, I want to talk about, um, like, like you mentioned how you adjust maybe training or racing plans, um, mm-hmm. specifically with this, with this heat, even though it's, um, the, the dead of winter right now, at least in yeah. the States, um, or anywhere, uh, that is cold right now. But when it, when it comes time to, you know, maybe that prime racing season, that spring, summer mm-hmm. and fall racing season, mm-hmm. when you actually get on the start line, you know, you've had that eight, 12, 24 weeks, maybe even a year uh, since the last time you've raced. Uh, how do you get in the right mindset uh, to take full advantage of all that preparation that you've done uh, with, with using stride and personal um, sort of adjustments that you've made along the way too? Okay. Okay. Um, so I think one of the biggest challenges we face as a team, I mentioned earlier that we're geographically distributed. So, you know, right now we've got athletes in New Zealand who are finishing summer. Right. You know, and then I've got athletes who live in Manitoba, like no joke, people live there. Um, if you're listening, uh, please put another log on the fire because it's like negative 90 outside. Um, and so um, it's very hard. So people have very different experiences with training. And the reason why I bring up geography is because temperature wise, training is fundamentally different. So there's a, a sweet spot in the season. If people have if there's seasonal affective disorder, there is seasonal endurance enjoyment, right? Where people there's a time of year that you love to train where like, you can't, we can't keep you in the office. Like, where's Evan? He's supposed to be at the meeting and you're like, I'm run, I'm finishing my run. Um, uh, and there's times of year when you don't want to train and there's a, you see that reflected in data as well. So in colder months, heart rate tends to be lower, especially if you're training indoors on in a treadmill controlled environment, treadmills doing a lot of the work, your heart rate's lower, but when you move outside heart rates higher. So if you're using heart rate zones, all of a sudden I, I don't have a one-to-one of your training workouts. You know, you, you're like, I've been training inside. I'm awesome. And then you run outside and you're like, I just got my butt kicked. In, in zone five heart rate, you know, um, uh, whereas before I was, you know, in zone one on my treadmill. So what's the difference? Um, and so having the power meter data allows us to say, you know, since a watt is a watt is a watt, as they say, 
um, you're, you're, you know, running 200 watts here is the same as running 200 watts in the summertime, same as running it on the moon. It's 200 watts. And so it really allows us to normalize um, all their training experiences. And so I can do a much better job as a coach of, of preparing people for what they need to do on race day by giving them a target that they can hit now, irrespective of where they are or the temperature or the time of year. Um, that's going to work them towards that goal, which I think gives those athletes a great deal more confidence. Mm -hmm. um, specific to the heat as aspect that we talked about. So um, I have raced um, a couple hot races. I've done uh, Hawaii uh, twice with stride mm -hmm. and I've done um, Ironman Cabo and then Ironman Cosmo. So end of year hot races. Um, and I've done it, I've done, I've raced with my stride and I've raced well and I've raced not well. Um, and what's been interesting for me with using power on the run in the heat is that I can't really, I need to control my heart rate, right? So I need to make sure that my heart rate doesn't accelerate. Uh, an accelerating heart rate moving from the bike to the run in an Ironman, to be super specific, mm -hmm. is a sign that I'm accumulating a great deal of heat. Um, I'm absorbing it um, and um, I'm coming off the bike where even though I'm working hard, if I'm riding 20 miles an hour, it's 80 degrees, but it feels like 60 degrees because I've got 20 miles an hour wind on me by definition. But the minute I get off the bike and start running, that 80 degrees feels like 85. You know, it's a 20, I call it the temperature swing. And that's so great that a lot of people, um, they go, they can almost go into sort of like heat shock, especially those hotter races where mm -hmm. they don't appreciate how hot things are until it's too hot and it's too late. So having the, having a power meter on allows me to control my heart rate. So if you control your power, you control your heart rate by definition. So rather than trying to focus on your heart rate, which has that lag over time, um, having a power meter allows me to run super well. So for those of you who are familiar with Hawaii, you know, the first five ish now, probably four ish miles out and then four ish back, um, are along Ali'i drive, which seems flat all week until you're racing on it. And it seems incredibly <laughs> hilly. Um, and having a power meter allows you to really flatten that whole section out because you have to climb up, um, you know, um, Palani pain safe Hill, and you've got some good Hills and rollers out to the energy lab and so on. Mm -hmm. So the rest of the course awaits you. Um, and so those first early miles are critical um, and having a stride power meter there um, in Hawaii allowed me to play really smart defense so I could run consistently and not accrue any unwanted heat. So mm -hmm. later on in the day when it was hotter and I was more dehydrated, et cetera, I had more bandwidth, right? So that was, that was a successful implementation there from, from a flatter race like Cozumel this year. Um, I was a bit more aggressive because in Hawaii I'm just racing, but in Cozumel I'm trying to qualify. Um, and so I had a power target that I wanted to hit. I've been training to it, you know, um, in my garage with like the heat lamp on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had a number that I wanted to hit for so many miles um, in that race. Um, and again, having this tried power meter really gives me that instant feedback, you know, so I can, um, I know right away that I'm, I'm running well. So it's not so much about, I see a good number on the dial. I can see, I can see exactly what I'm generating from a Watts perspective. Uh, and I can tell this is a good run. So the reason why I say that is, um, races are hot or races are windy. So in Cozumel, it was windy. So we're heading out into this pretty sick headwind um, for the first two miles of a six mile out. Um, and so you know, you're running slow. The numbers don't look good. Uh, you're on cobblestones. It's just kind of, you're not feeling so good coming off the bike. But looking at my power meter, I was great. Like I was, I was running my numbers. I wanted to run, my numbers were, I'm a bigger guy. So they're bigger numbers. So 320 watts is what I wanted to run. Um, and I remember a guy came past me and was like, Hey, let's, let's work together. Like I'll go in front of you and then you run behind me and we'll switch. Like, I guess sort of like a pace line for mm -hmm. cycling. 
I was like, dude, I just met you. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be compatible. Um, and I said, no, I'm all set. Like I can't, he got in front of me and took off and I was like, I'm not going to run any faster. Um, I just ran my numbers. And so it meant that I was slower in those first two miles, but when the headwind dissipated, we turned, um, I was much faster in the next four miles, you know? And so mm -hmm. I, I was smoother. Um, I wasn't faster in that moment, but I was faster overall. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sure enough, you know, uh, second lap, I see him on the side of the road with a hamstring uh, cramp, you know, and I'm like, I feel, I feel fine. I don't, <laughs> you know, I feel terrible for you, but I feel fine. And, and so another element from a racing perspective, I think that stride helps with is it just gives people really, really good confidence that they're doing the right thing now. I mean, you, just because you have a stride doesn't mean you'll do the right thing. You may, you may choose to do crazy things and run and race. That's fine. Um, but, um, if you're, if you really are sort of a student of the sport and trying to make the most of your, um, fitness on race day, which is our ultimate goal, right? We want you to, we want your racing self to respect your training self. Mm -hmm. Um, then we can, um, we can have that. You can race to the potential of your fitness, which is, mm -hmm. which is ultimately the goal. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Um, I think that wraps up everything. Tons of great messages. If mm -hmm. people want to find out more about you and endurance nation, uh, where can mm -hmm. they go? Uh, sure. Um, you know, I think the best place to go is probably our Facebook page, Facebook, uh, com forward slash endurance nation. You can find us online at endurance nation.us. Um, and we've been around for forever. So I think if you Google endurance nation, a ton of stuff will come up. Um, uh, I think the one, the one thing is people are looking about say for this specific, specific Avenue, like stride, the best part about, you know, things like stride are where endurance nation shines because we have, you know, over a hundred people using it. Some of them are like NASA engineers. Some of them are ordinary people like you and I, although you may not be ordinary, but I certainly am. Uh, and so you have that aggregation of knowledge um, and, and everyone's helping one another out. So we call it like a, you know, plus one at one minus one system. So you always want someone who's smarter than you to train with. You want someone who you can push yourself against, who's your peer, um, you're at one. And you always want someone who's a little bit behind you to help lift them up. And so um, one of the best parts about something like Stride is, every day you learn something new and that's something that you can pass on to your teammate and make them better. So there's resources for sure, but there's also, um, you know, people using it on a daily basis. Um, mm -hmm. and so, um, I think it's a real, for me, it's been an eye opener as a coach. Um, and we're only just digging in like the plyometric piece. I rec I mentioned that we added to some of our training plans this year. Mm -hmm. Um, that's totally new. Uh, and I'm super curious to see, right. I've got 700 data points. So I'm mm -hmm. super curious to see the impact on that data. Uh, over time, right? I take it out of the study and say six weeks of plyometrics, what happens? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, really see if we can change some of those numbers for people without more running because we're trying to be more efficient users of time. We're trying to, Absolutely. you know, help people. So, yeah. So um, I want to thank just a quick shout out to you guys. Um, everyone on the team at Stride has been fantastic in terms of supporting our athletes. Um, you know, every once in a while, I'm an idiot and go swimming with my stride on like after a race <laughs> in a baby pool. Don't swim. Everyone at home, don't swim with your stride on. It's not for swimming. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, I've been great in terms of support. Um, and I think the product you guys have, uh, is fantastic. It's just a, it, it does a lot of complex things that I don't think people necessarily either may want to or need to understand. Um, but the, the, the biggest part is the, um, the support that people get, uh, and the information we get through the power center that really puts people in the driver's seat with their data, which I think is, is the most important part. Yeah, no, we, uh, we, we appreciate the kind words and, uh, we hope people listen to, you know, kind of your message. And if they were kind of on the fence before, maybe consider a little bit more if they 
you know, already used Stride, they might have a training revelation after uh, listening to this talk. Uh, and if there's ever any questions, um, I'm sure you guys are more than willing to talk and anybody at Stride is uh, more than willing to uh, help as well. But um, I, I, I again want to thank you for taking the time to come on. I think this was a uh, fantastic uh, little kind of short first uh, live recording uh, yeah. podcast to give people more information. And uh, we definitely look forward to continuing to work with you uh, and, and helping people uh, in, in enjoy their running uh, or enjoy their training. Like you said, uh, completing, competing and winning. Um, I think that's a, a, a great uh, sort of a summary of what everybody's trying to do. Right, exactly. Whatever your level of awesome is, you know, the information helps. And I'll tell people something else I'll focus on all the time is it's all about the engine. You know, mm -hmm. some people, uh, you know, you can always buy lighter shoes or, or pick races that go downhill or, or what or you know, et cetera. But, um, you know, when you have something like a stride and you get comfortable using it, you're really improving the engine. And then, and you know, so if you yourself are better, stronger, faster, and then you add some of those other elements, it's even better. So, um, I think the stride is a great, I don't think it's necessarily just a racing tool. I think it's a great year round tool. Um, and so, um, I urge people to get it now, like at, at least, I don't know when this is going live, but it's early in the year now. Yes. So um, get it now so you have time to see the data, get the data, and then start to become comfortable with it. So, awesome. uh, well, thanks for the chance to be on the podcast, Evan. Yes, I appreciate it. absolutely. Um, if people want to find out more about it, uh, you have the proper links and we'll put everything uh, on the social media stuff. So awesome. um, if anybody does have questions, feel free to reach out to either platform. But uh, this, is, this uh, wraps up the first episode. Patrick, thanks again for coming on. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll look forward to hearing more about all the uh, great endeavors from Endurance Nation and uh, hopefully Stride as well. Thank you.